I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Away for another Vaughan boundary. <laughs> Well, he's a great fieldsman, Philip Tuffman. He often falls over and he's brought it into his batting as well. Hello and welcome to the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club, a brand new podcast brought to you by the Daily Telegraph. My name's Ben Wright and I'm joined by two men who need no introduction, not least because, well, because their names are in the title. We've got Ashes winning captain Michael Vaughan, and entertainment all-rounder Phil Tufnell. Our aim is to bring you big-name interviews and opinion from those who run and play the game, but we'll also be speaking to international stars and discussing all levels of the game, from test level down to village cricket. We'll leave no stone unturned. As it's our first show, we've decided, like a Joss Butler IPL innings, to go big. I'm delighted to say the managing director of the England cricket team, Rob Key, will be joining us in the studio shortly to talk about his plans to revitalise English cricket, the appointment of Brendan McCullum and the new skipper Ben Stokes. Michael and Tuffers. Welcome. Cheers, Ben. You Thanks. excited? Absolutely. Well, we, this, is, this is a double whammy because we've got our own cricket club now. Yeah, we have. Phil, got I'm, I'm, I'm captain, aren't I? Yeah, you're the skipper. You're the skipper of the yes. Vaughan and uh, Tuffers Cricket Club. Uh, you, you're, you're head of selection, strategy, um, social. Yes. You're head of the socials uh, and obviously a podcast. Like, I'm not quite sure what that is, Mike. You, you don't, podcast? You don't know what a podcast is? But this is one, yeah? Yeah. It's just like radio. Well, it's you just talk in a microphone and people hopefully listen. Oh, well, there you go. That's what it is. Yes. But you've never listened to a podcast? No, I haven't really. Do you not have AirPods or anything like that? What are they? No. Do you have a phone? I t- yes. <laughs> is it an app? Not really. Not really. What's an app? What's an app? <laughs> I've got I've got a six app. Oh, that's a six pack. <laughs> well, I know you've not got one of them. No, I've got one app. <laughs> it's not just us to talk about international cricket and the, no. you know, the the superstars and get them on it. We want people that are just starting out. Yeah. So we've got a young girl called Megan. She's eight. She's just got into cricket. Have a listen. Hi, Vaughnie. Hi, Tuffers. I'm Megan and I'm eight. And I want to play cricket for England one day. You two did. <laughs> so I think I'm in with quite a lucky chance. I play All-Stars cricket at the moment with my friends, and I love it. I can't decide if it's better to bat or bowl yet, but I suppose if I did bat, I might be able to get a bat made of crystals from somewhere, and that is right up my street, so I think I might go with batting. Vaughnie, you made bowling look easy, and Tuffers, you made batting look really, really hard. So what do I do? What do you think I should do? I'm new to this game, and as long as the sun's shining, I'll keep you updated on my cricket. 
Otherwise, I have to bore you about dancing and acting. Thanks for asking me on the podcast, and all my friends are so jealous. I know two people off Strictly, you know. She sounds keen, Mike. Oh, yes, Phil. She yeah. is a, a, a... I wouldn't say she's a die-hard cricket fan yet. No. She's just starting out, but she, she's quite confident. The green shoots And what we're going to do with Megan, we're going to get a bit of an observation every pod Lovely. from Megan about the game. She might even ask some quite big questions. Excellent. And I think she should also take up batting. Yeah? It's a batter's game, Mike. About a bit of leg spin. All-rounder. Yeah. All-rounder would be good. Yeah, all well, England needs bowlers. Yeah. Leg oh, bowler. Oh, she's got to do a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> leg spinner. Uh, if, if I was coming back... Yeah, I, go on. I, I mean, I'd be the late, great King Shane Warne. Yes. And bat like Brian Lara. Yes. Uh, I think that's quite a nice combination. Megs, can you do that? So, obviously, it's a great time to be launching a cricket podcast. Huge amount going on in the game. Uh, the English game going through one of its sort of periodic spasms of renewal... Um, we've got Rob Key coming in later. What do you think of that appointment, of him uh, and that job, and what he'll make of it? Uh, I, I think it's a good appointment. I think so far um, he, he's done really well. I think the appointment of Ben Stokes as the captain uh, w- was very obvious. Um, there wasn't really any other candidates, but I just think he was head and shoulders above yeah. uh, anybody else anyway. Um, Baz McCullum was was from the left wing. Yeah. No one saw that coming, but like I think it. that's a, a braver point. It's just whether Ben Stokes and Baz McCullum will be too similar. Right. You know, in terms of characters, I always think a bit of yin and yang, a bit of difference in your management helps. But, you know, exciting to see those two work yeah. together. Uh, Matthew Mott, the one-day um, coach, uh, he, he got the position ahead of Paul Collingwood. Uh, again, vastly experienced coach, been around the, the game for a long while in terms of franchise. The, the Australian women's team, which you could argue is possibly the best cricket team yeah. in the world. Um, you know, so there's been some you know, clever appointments. It's now just about getting the team playing better. Yeah. His job's almost done in terms of appointing the people to to run the team I guess the selectorial role will be the key one next and and it'll be, it'll be like all of us you know you, you'll be crossing your fingers hoping that England can suddenly start playing better test match cricket but it seems so far Phil that it's yeah. all gone quite well for Rob Key absolutely he's come in listen we know Rob from the media centre don't we we've sat and listened to what he's got to say about the game for, for quite a few years now and uh, he always comes across really well for me. Yeah. He looks like he's, uh, you know, hasn't got a great ego, you know, wants the best for English cricket yeah. and cricket, sort of like the whole of cricket. So I think it's a good appointment. As you say, good appointment. Ben Stokes looked after itself. Baz McCullum, I really like. I know Now Baz. you know him really well, yeah? Yeah, yeah so, no, it, And had for our listeners who yeah. might be a technophobes as well and, and, don't, <laughs> and don't, don't have Netflix, how did you get to know Brendan McCullum? Well, I did, a, I did a sort of a golf cricket show as well yes. and sort of going around New Zealand drinking wonderful wines and called eating this beautiful This Could Go food. Anywhere. Called This Could Go Anywhere. And I hadn't particularly met him. Uh, you know, I've met him a couple of times walking around yeah. and what have you. But uh, really enjoyed his company. Really enjoyed his what can I say? Philosophy yeah. on cricket. It's a long really, word. It is a long <laughs> word, Mike. I've learned that one. And uh, and really just in, enjoyed the way he sort of like went about his business. He was one of the most positive men yeah. I know, but also with that calmness as well. You know, yeah. usually these guys, you know, go out there and let's smash it. Come on, come on, come on. But he seemed to sort of like really sort of like have a handle on it. There again, not a lot of ego. Yeah. You know, very sort of uh, humble kind of I, guy. I watched it. I was listening to the, the conversations you were having. Yeah. And he obviously is somebody who really thinks very deeply about cricket. You're right. And, he, and it's, he talked a lot about mentorship. Yes. When he was uh, yep. captain of the Kiwis, 
getting people in to yeah. help the team out, yeah. but also after he's left, sort of passing on his wisdom. No, absolutely. And I think that a lot of people might have him wrong a little bit. As you say, a little bit left field, wasn't it? Thinking mm. of white ball and going out there and smashing it around. That's what yeah. you kind of think of Brendan McCullum, but he's not that. He's a lot more to him. I'm going to be interested to see how it works, and especially with Stokes. I think that that is a good fit, Mike. Mm. It must be the most tattooed combination of Captain England Captain Modern era, I like it. Yeah. You know, we've got to appeal to everyone. Have yeah. you got any tattoos, Mike? No. No. You've got you do. I've, I've got a cat on my left uh, left oh, shoulder. Right. Yeah, Why left. did you put it on the left shoulder? Well, because when I was when I was about naught for hundred and fifty, I used to tap it on the back and go, Come on, cat, get us a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bit faded now. <laughs> and I've got my Dorney on me uh, on my lower back. Well you've got your wife on your what on your bum yeah, or on your back Dorney, or Dorney, Dorney, yeah. Have you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is it good, and is it? Yeah, it's funny actually because I came back very proud having had it done, and I showed my my lovely wife, and I went, "There you go, Dawny. What do you think of that?" And she went, "That's the wrong one." <laughs> <laughs> you misspelled my name. <laughs> no, and I looked at her and sort of said, "Well, are you going to have one with Phil on it?" She was, "You've got to be joking." <laughs> I went, "Oh, thanks very much." One thing's for sure: um, day one at Lords, you won't want to be late because no. you feel that. Uh, you know, that combination, it might be actually that they surprise us all and try and play test cricket the right way, Yeah, which oh, is I'm... about creating a foundation. Without doubt. It's right. not taking too many risks too soon. It's not about going to crash the first hour for 60 no. to try and get ahead of the game. It's not about earn the right to then play aggressively at the right time. Yeah. And I, I hope that both that combination will get together and go, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, the England test match is one in 17, so they've got them at the perfect time. They can't yeah. do any worse. It will only take a little tweak here or there to make this test team look very, very good mm. in a short space of time. Um, you know, I think that combo, again, it's about managing people, it's about managing combinations. I do fear for them in the bowling. You know, there's yeah. so many bowlers injured. And yeah. I don't know what you feel, yeah. Phil, about, you know, there's Joffre out, there's uh, Ollie oh. Stone still out, Mark Wood out, Chris Wokes out, Saki Mahmood out. I, I, I think he's got his, his work cut out with this yeah. test team just for a while because of the bowlers. Yeah. You, know, you no get tw- one or two more injuries, there's no world-class spinner. No. 20 uh, wickets, Mike. I think, he, I think he'll make the batters play better quite quickly. I, I think yeah. there's some talent in that batting yeah. unit that have just underperformed. Massive. You know, they've, they've, they've been so poor for such a long period of time that they're better than that. Yeah. So I think the batting will improve quite quickly. Yeah. Um, with the Duke ball, if it swings, of course, England will be a threat because of the moving ball. But if we have a summer where it doesn't swing as much... You know, there's no real paces fit. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think they might have to uh, get used to uh, doing a bit of field in this Test Match team this summer. We're very lucky to be joined today by Rob Key, the new Managing Director of England Cricket. Ah. Thanks very much for joining us. <laughs> you were asking what his title was, MD, Managing Director. Yeah, that's right. What does that actually mean, uh, Keezy? Well, it just means you're the managing director. So I'm in charge, I suppose, of England men's cricket. So that's from pathway to the science of medicine to ooh, ooh. Uh, not not coaching, not domestic cricket. That's someone else's remit, but pretty much everything with England men. Yeah. And I see you come in and you've got a little rucksack. Don't I have. Don't I you thought, need a suit, briefcase or something? No, no, I'm trying so hard to stay away from the blazers, the suit, all of that, the tracksuits. And what I've got in there is yeah. I've got a laptop. Lovely. And an iPad. Lovely. And a notebook. 
that's all you need. Exactly. So you've so got, you need oh, the you've got two then. You've got the iPad and the laptop. Yeah, because, and I've got the pen thing so that I can actually draw and make notes on my iPad as well. It's unbelievable. We were actually scoring Kaluki with the kids and we use it for that at the moment. <laughs> that's, that's much... So in your role now, uh, you've only been in the job a few weeks, what are you drawing on an iPad? No, so what I'm doing, my role actually at the moment, it was quite, the, the real job hasn't, hadn't really started or it will probably start once the coaches are in and the cricket actually starts. And then your job is, as it says, managing director. Your job is to manage people, basically. It's mm. not, I'm not very good. I've got no techie skills. I've no. got no, you know, sort of, I'm not a coach. I'm not involved in science and medicine. Well, and you were a player, like Rob. You were a player. Exactly. So your job is to manage to hire the best people and then manage them to the best that you can. And my first bit was to find a captain. Yeah. So then we've got Ben Stokes. Straightforward. Yeah, straightforward. Like, like the old school first 11. <laughs> Who's going to be picked the most? That's going to be Ben. Yeah, so Ben, <laughs> ben ended up as that man. He, he, and he's been very good, actually. Yeah. Um, even though he hasn't done it a lot, which a lot of people haven't done, have they? When they become a captain of England, ironically, it's something they've never done a lot of, actually being a captain. No. Then it was trying to find out who the coach was going to be. And what we worked out was that, you know, like say, for instance, we needed two coaches. We needed to split it between red and white ball. Because, for example, the schedule now is getting to a point where you can't Ridiculous. do both. So we'll have two test matches um, against New Zealand. Then straight away, the white ball side will fly to Holland. They'll have three ODIs. And then as soon as that finishes, then they're back for a test for the third test match. And that gets more and more like that throughout the next couple of years. There's a few series that are COVID catch-ups. So then it was a, it was a bit like doing this, where you're not in a studio, but you're basically something that I've done for the last, what, 10 years as a broadcaster is I'm interviewing people all the time. So I was sitting there on Zoom calls or Teams meets, whatever you call them, with the coaches, and you're trying to work out who the best was. Um, or who the do, best how, person is. How do you do that, Keezy? What, what, what's your sort of remit for sort of like finding who the best? Because obviously you went for Brendan McCullum a little bit out the box, wasn't it? Yeah. A little bit left field. I think it's a cracker, by the way. <laughs> I think because I know Brendan and he is a top, top man. How did you come to that conclusion? Well, so what you do is you, you, there's a whole process. So you have to make sure you get a job description, you get the advert out, and you make sure you then have people who apply for it. And like all jobs, really, you have other people that you think, oh, that you know, they'd be pretty good for this job. So you then you make a few inquiries and see if they fancy going for the job. And for the Red Bull job in particular, there were lots of people that actually wanted to do that job. And a lot of the time with these things, in that sort of a position, people they don't necessarily want to go through the process but they want to get the job right. yeah, so i think there was a lot of people that were very interested in that role um and we ended up with a really good field in that more people which i didn't think was going to happen mm. actually more people were interested in the red ball job than there were the white ball the white ball didn't really turn people on as much as the red ball so all of the names that you can think of, which the papers, you know, every day I was reading about who I was speaking to in the papers, and there was a different, you know, there's some, some were right and some were, were wrong. Um, and you just sit around and you do this. You just chat with them. I wasn't one for all the PowerPoints. No. And that I found them incredibly boring. In fact, the, 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 the best PowerPoints were the dullest ones. You're on that panel. You're asking questions. Yeah. What is the question that you ask? No, you see, my job, I suppose, with it, what I wanted to know was whether their philosophy al aligned with what I thought, really, which was you know, the most important thing, because then in that, 
That's got to then. Corporate, that. It's a little bit corporate. I don't think philosophy is. It's philosophy corporate. You know, corporate. I've heard about, you know, I never said KPIs and all these things I was hearing about when I got in the job and didn't know. I had to Google some of the stuff that was going on. But you just wanted to make sure that they saw the world and the game in the way that you did, in a way, and the way that you they felt that they could take the team forward. Mm. You wanted to know you were aligned on that. You can't have, you know, and it's got to be the same with the captain, the coach, and everyone in the system has to be sort of the vision has to be one that you're all pushing for the same thing. Rob, you're talking about the vision, and we'll get into the coach and the captain a bit, but um, you were talking about the fact that you're a broadcaster. You obviously had a successful career as a pundit. So just starting at the beginning, why did you want this job? What was it about this job that appealed to you? Well, I suppose a bit like why people went for the Red Bull job as coaches, really. So I, how it happened, I was doing vodcast with NASA, Ath and Wardy. And we, you know what it's like, what you do. You're always sitting around trying to work out, you know, what would you do? What's gone wrong? How would you change it? How would you try and do this? And then I got a text, I think, from Strauss about saying, do you, would you consider going for that job? I said, yeah, I could be interested, mate. Because everything that I loved about being a broadcaster is, is the best job in the world in a lot of ways. It's a great life, everything you get, but the, you're not making that much of a difference. You know, there's the odd moment when you might be, um, it might have been Mikey and Ebony, stuff like that, where you're making a difference. But actually, as a broadcaster on cricket, you're just giving your opinion. You're saying when things are good, you're saying they're good. And when they're bad, you're saying they're bad. And you're sort of trading it b- backwards mm. and forwards all the time. Whereas this was like, right, okay, now you've got a chance to actually see if you're talking wow. rubbish or not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, responsibility. And I, yeah, and look, you, you just, <laughs> I felt, you know, it's something that as much now as I'm, as much as I'm busy now, it's quite a good type of work. It's quite a good type of busy. It's quite a good yeah. type of stress where you actually feel like you're doing something meaningful and hopefully you're making a difference for po- for a good thing, you know, whereas we'll find out if I'm right or wrong in the meantime. Yeah. There's um, lot being made really of the fact it. that there's a bit of a power vacuum at the ECB at the moment. Yeah. Is that a negative or is it in some ways a positive? It allows you to set your agenda, maybe get a bit more of a cricket-first agenda before the suits turn up. Well, no, at the moment, it's, all I can really speak from is my own experience, really, and it's been it's been great working there because you know we've the thing you know that we've had i've had support on everything so far you know whether it was brendan mccullum matthew mott whatever all we've had really is that is the ecb and the people tom harrison in particular have been right you know we want to make sure and test cricket as well has been the focus for them and it's like right okay your job is to try and get test cricket back to where it was you know when vaughney was a captain which hasn't been that many times in english history actually where english cricket in test cricket has Mm. been right up there um and I've had nothing but support in that. And I, it's been interesting because you go into the ECB and you like being a broadcaster and you have a view of the ECB, like people say, it's very corporate, all of that. Mm-hmm. But actually, you sit around in there and all they're trying to do is is take cricket forward. Mm-hmm. And that's been the thing. You know, They're not trying to ruin cricket. They're just all they're trying to... Everything they talk about is participation, is getting people inspired by the game, You know, pushing the England teams forward girls, boys, everyone really. And and it's a very noble cause there. And they've been battered a little bit and they've been hammered quite a lot. But actually when you look at it, cricket's in a very good place. Because of what happened in the ashes, we start to think, oh cricket's in a real you know, we've got a real uh, downer on English cricket. Actually, English cricket's in a in a great spot at the moment. You know, players are having a great lifestyle, they're having a great time, you know, they haven't performed as well as they've wanted to do in Test match cricket, but They've had a horrific couple of years. Yeah. Um, 
so it's a very positive place, and it, and it's a place where their vision is something that's very noble. So, so how are you going to take that forward then, Rob? Because at the moment we are at the bottom. But that's exactly you know what it's like. I mean, yeah. you can have your visions, you can have all your views, and all of that. You can have your coaches, whoever they are. It's about the players. And our job, and what I think is, I think there's good players in England. Yeah, there's no question about that. Those young batsmen that you've seen, and there's a list of them now coming out, especially yeah. for that middle order. And the job of the coaches and our job is to get the best out of them now. I, there's no way that they've been playing to the best of their ability. Now, that might be because they've been in these bubbles and they've spent more time worrying about, you know, where they can eat breakfast and can they do this and do they have to wear a mask here and can they use the pool and is it going to be 14 days hard quarantine or is it going to be, you know, you're allowed out your room for 10 days, can we make that five and then maybe go into the gym, you know, all that. Yeah. That's been their life for the well, last that's been the same years. for every team. Yeah, but they haven't played anywhere near as much. I mean, you can say it's been the same for every single team, but you look at someone like Australia. Australia, and this might not be exactly right, Australia have played something like 70 days cricket in the last year. England played 170. They play more than anyone else. They've done more to keep the game going and alive than anyone else. So to say it's been the same for every team is just not true. Mm. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. With, the, India obviously play a lot as well, but there is nobody in the world of cricket that has played more cricket than that England team, that has done more time in hard bubbles than the England team. I mean, you look at the way the Aussies have done it. Yeah, okay, they're in the World T20, and then they went into their own bubble, but they are in their own country at home. So there's no one, really, that's done anything like what that England team But does that suggest that the schedule was untenable? No, it just means that that's what it is at the moment and that COVID is an absolutely shocking time that everyone's had. Yeah. You know, not just cricketers, as everyone that's made sacrifices throughout however long. You know, we've had it pretty easy. When I was a broadcaster, you know, we turn up and then we get out of the bubble and I'd go and play golf and do whatever. These boys haven't been able to do it. And when they were playing, they would have four or five days where they weren't allowed out of their house, really. So, yeah. so I don't agree that But the um, reality, Rob, done. let's get to the reality. The reality of, yeah, we can, we can say the bubbles have been... It's been hard for England. We, we can give them all that excuse. Yeah. The fact of the matter, in the last six years, we've had one player that's debuted that's averaged over 30. Yeah. And that's Rory Burns. Why? Well, that, that I think I said, it, it goes back to a whole system at the moment that's not producing the players. I think we've got the talent. We've got to somehow make sure they can deliver at that level, which we haven't done, as the batting suggests. And then we end up in a huge debate, if you want to go down its road, about county cricket, pitches, all that type of thing. I have ended up, my biggest bugbear, you can change the schedule, you can change the structure of county cricket, all those things. If you keep playing on those pitches that they did for the last however many years, where the medium paces, look, they were the, as you know, they were the bane of my life, these guys, who would just turn up at 70 mile an hour, dob it around and hit me in the shin. You backing Darren Stephen. <laughs> you are, aren't you? Listen, look, look I know he's your pal. But this is the oh, point. Love Darren Stephen. Yeah, Steve-O's been unbelievable, but you can't, ha it's just been too much, it's just been too one-sided county cricket. That's why there's no spinners. And I, I did an article, I thought, oh no, I got in trouble. In 2008, because we got on one of these pitches um, where it was nibbling around and I can't remember, we, it, was a, it was over in two days, the game, something like that, up at Durham. And I ended up in a pitch pan. They told me there's nothing wrong with the pitch. I said, what do you mean there's nothing wrong with the pitch? I said, look, I might not be a great, I might be a very average player, but the Australians haven't been able to get Chander pull out in three test matches that he's just played. He didn't get past five in the pitch we've just played on. Yeah, but what my point is with that 
if you don't replicate the conditions you get in test cricket, you end up with no spinners, no fast bowlers. You know, you look now, we've got a load of injuries, which will be a load of different reasons, but part of it will be probably because they're now starting to play four-day games of cricket, not something that's over in two and a bit days. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so crucial to English cricket that people learn to play four-day cricket. Did the ECB send the message before the season because it's been very evident watching county yeah. cricket it's been great to see actually 100 scored yeah, you know bowlers toil yeah you know, I, I'm looking season. at the what fourth day thing well because <laughs> yeah was it a message sent by the ECB before the season come on let, let's get better pitches I hear the Duke ball's not doing quite as much whether yeah. that's just Stitching. the look of the draw, the st- whatever it may be. I don't know how to make cricket balls, but they're saying it's just the look of the draw. Has there been a message sent from the ECB? Let's get better pitches and let's get a ball that doesn't do quite as much. No, uh, well, I was here. So one of, the, one of the early meetings I had was with all the chief execs, the county chief executives. And, and so I was new into the job. So this was all before the, the season had started pretty much when I came into the, this position. And there's been, no, there's been no direct message to the to the counties or anyone, but there's been obviously a lot of talk about it. So I think actually at the moment, it's just a happy coincidence. You know, Brody has said the ball's what, like plasticine. Yeah. It's like bowling with plasticine or something. He loves a, he's got great little sound bites. He'd make a good broadcaster, Brody. Or <laughs> but so there's been, there's been a time where the balls, whether they've gone soft, stuff like that, but whether it's the way, I don't know why it's happened, but don't you just think, I mean, you know better than anyone, isn't it better? You're a spinner as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're seeing spinners bowl. Yeah. I mean, how can it be good that a spinner never gets to bowl? The only my, my my theory has been for a long time is that I'm not, not I'm, Darren Stevens. We've got to nullify the 75 a mile Correct. an hour seam bowler. We have to make sure that those overs are being bowled either by someone bowling over 82 or a if spinner, they're fit. If or, they're fit, <laughs> and that's the point. You're not going to stay fit unless you bowl for four days continuously. Yeah. I'm a bit of the old school. That the way to get fit for bowling is by bowling. Yeah. Not by bowling less. Yeah. Um, so somehow that system has to be created, which I think it has been so far in the county system uh, th- this season. Now, I'm interested in the high-performance group that's been created. <laughs> David Brailsford, yeah. incredible with Sky Cycling. Dan Ashworth's done incredible in football. Uh, I know yourselves on it, Marcus North, some others that are on that panel. What is that going to look like, and what does it look like to you going forward? Do you know what? We've had a couple of meetings, and I'm not sure. The, the, the meetings so far have been very interesting, but it's been setting up the debate, really. So because you've got a load of people from lots of other sports, they want to get in, the, like the people you said, and find out how they see high performance. And actually, it's been just listening and them trying to work out and, and find out. You think how complicated our system is, mm. you know, whether it's county cricket, England cricket, how it all works. You've got the, you know, the, the, the votes that you need in county cricket, all these things. So a lot of it so far has been setting up with these guys to sort of explain how it works and where we're at. So they can then try and formulate and try and work it into, because they can, you can have all the plans in the world, can't you? You can have all the high performance ideas you want and in cycling we might do this and this we might do that well we have a different system and we have to have something there's no point spending however long coming up with ideas that just aren't going to be but what, feasible what does it look like what does cricket so you've got a, i don't know how long your contract is i don't know if it's a rolling contract <laughs> in four years time we'll sit you back on the podcast uh welcome to the club anyway Vaughan and uh toughest <laughs> yes. cricket club uh first pick phil yeah first pick uh we haven't got any caps at the moment mate uh, but we'll oh, get one too they're on order but we'll, we'll, we'll send <laughs> you one they, they are they coming arrive. um in four years say so, i know baz mccullum's got a four-year deal matthew mott's got a four-year deal what will the game look like in terms of domestically 
We know international cricket's going to be jam-packed. Yeah. They're not going yeah, to play yeah. any less. Correct. But domestically, how's the game going to look? Do you know what? I have no idea. At this point in time, we, I have no idea what what it's going to be and how it's going to go because it might be less four-day cricket, which I think might be the bet that you could go on. But I don't know that. We haven't got to that point. Um, I did a thing for Sky when I said how I would have tried to sort out the schedule of county cricket, which is what we're talking about a little bit, really. But I don't know where they're going to come. I have no idea how David Brailsford, people like that, Dan Ashworth, are going to see county cricket and what they're going to think needs to happen. You know, And the same with English cricket, the England cricket team. You know, the, the, I, I couldn't tell you now where it's going to get to. We haven't had that debate, that discussion. Um, you know, things like the 100, I think, are important. I know people, it's a real contentious issue. But what I don't think is that this sort of rhetoric we have in the country at the moment about for one thing to succeed, the other one's got to fail. I personally don't agree with that. I think we can have it all in English career. We just have to be smart about how we do it. What it looks like physically, um, I couldn't tell you. But so, so, Rob, is that a step-by-step process? You haven't got like a blueprint for it. It's oh. just... We'll, we'll take it step by step. You know? well, I think in that high performance review, it would do. Yeah. Um, because it's not actually about, right, Keezy, and it's not my remit actually to sort to sort county cricket and to say, this is what we're going to do. I'm part of that high performance review. And then, you know, you, you do have the, the ECB or the counties are the ones really deciding on their own future at times. Um, so how it all looks... Uh, yeah couldn't tell you how I would do it as I said on the Sky vodcast I would have 10 games of championship cricket I think you've basically added in a month of the season with a competition so you've added in a month's worth of cricket so you've got to lose a month's worth of cricket so you have what 14 games you go back you go down to 10 games and you end up with 10 high quality games how that looks I couldn't tell you you know I had my thing where you have your 12 best teams and one below it and all that type of stuff but whether that's how it's going to go I couldn't tell you that's why I, I don't think that would be a bad plan three divisions whatever but you, but you also keep, don't you keep know. the 18 counters well I, I don't see how you get to a point where you don't to be honest um, so I have no issue I think that you can with 18 counties we have produced good cricketers we have produced absolutely really good players in the past we've had a successful era of England's test cricket mm. You know, we've produced the best white ball team we've probably ever had and one of the best teams in the world, one of the greatest eras of England's white ball cricket. But do you see the system, even when it's tweaked? I saw this, this statement that Andrew Strauss released the other day about the high performance saying mm. English cricket has been the number one test men's team yeah. for 12 months in the last 40 years. Yeah. In that time, Australia have been number one for 170 months. <laughs> so that is a, a, a huge gulf in yeah. terms of being at the, at the top. This system clearly isn't producing what we what we we think we, we're a pretty good team. Yeah, yeah. You know, but ultimately, if you want to be the best, radical changes probably need to, to happen. And radical probably means less games, maybe playing five day cricket. Yeah. In our preparation, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm always for change and difference. Uh, four day cricket lights on. I'm all for that. But if it is that you stay at five day for Test match cricket, you know, why not play it in our domestic game as well? But I don't see that as radical change, to be honest. That's adding an extra day to a game, and that's doing what I said, where you go down to less cricket. So I don't see that as an issue. And the only thing, and uh, as you know, you see, I, I look at things, and I, 
I disagree slightly with Strauss here, although he's right that we've been number one in the world probably for a very small period. I think the golden age really of England's test side uh, came under <laughs> under your when you became captain. That's why you got. That's why you're on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, just uh, easy questions. And what it was, what it was, what a lovely chat, Rob. <laughs> and what it was, and what you did bloody well actually was the mentality of English cricket mm. changed. And that was so important. You know, I, I look back and you talk about the mentality when you played tough as mm. you. You tell me another side whose mentality when they lost that first test match at Lords in 2005 come would have turned around at Edgebaston and got 400 in a day and chain, and flipped it. You know, we would have come in in the past and gone, oh, no, Warren McGraw, what are we going to do? And that mentality changed. But that all it, came it did from... did help that Glenn McGraw was stretched off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, we had a but, bit of fortune. But yeah. you think about how that you lot all saw cricket in that era. We all had this influx of that Australian mentality come through from those great players, you know, the likes of Darren Lehman, Shane Warne, whoever. And, and there was a change. And for a long time, actually, I thought we were a bloody good Is that what you side. want from the, the test team in particular? That, that, Culture. That, that ability to take an opposing side on. Is it all about being aggressive or is it about being smart? Because I, I watched the test team so close and I actually think in the last few years they've been too aggressive. They've not played the test match way for long enough. I always think in test cricket you earn the right to be mm -hmm. aggressive but you have to have that foundation set yeah. first. I don't think this test match team and this group has been good enough, mentally strong enough to create that foundation and then you can go, then you can be aggressive. You know, I, I don't think there's many. Maybe the Australian it, great side, they went aggressive from pretty much ball one because they were that yeah. good. There's not many other teams in the history of Test cricket been able to be aggressive from yeah. ball one. It, it also, with this presence of England team, you just feel that as soon as the pressure moments come on, yeah, yeah. that batting lineup goes to pieces. But, but that's where, again, it's not about going out there and playing shots. No. It's actually about the mentality that you have, the way that you think helps your defence. I actually think if you look at it, yes, all right, you go, oh, they've played a shot outside off stuff. That comes from indecisiveness. Not knowing when to leave the ball comes from being indecisive, from being negative. From not, It's not about the way that you go out there and you look to just the one way of playing. When you speak to Brendan McCullum, and he just said it, we had the team talk, this morning, oh, I listened in on it. Yeah, and and he he's very clear actually about what Test cricket is for him. You know, it's about being able to soak up pressure as a batsman, yeah. being able to transfer pressure at the right time as a batsman by making good decisions all the time throughout and having the courage and the conviction to make those decisions throughout. So there are times when you've got to soak it up, but you have to be positive in your thinking to do that. You just leave the ball better, I think, when you're positive. You come out thinking, oh, no, you know, I don't want to play a shot here. And, you, and that's when indecision comes from. And England have been indecisive. So what you want is not someone to go out there. And this is where you know, our, our, our way of playing now under the McCullum era is just to run down and smack the ball. No, 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 that's not what it is at all and then he's very clear as well on bowlers bowlers you just look to take wickets there's no sort of like oh we're going to try and control this rate control the scoreboard and that no, nice. no your job is to take wickets and then he's very simple again it's like with the ball we look to take wickets and we are able to adapt the plan accordingly to whatever that is 
So McCullen, you you obviously a couple of big calls that you've made since you got the job. Yeah. Stokes was perhaps the obvious choice as captain. McCullum more of a left field choice. So what was it about him that appealed to you? When you sit down and you and you listen and we had lots of chats and you go through that process, he was what you realise is he's so much more than that thing that people think of like, oh, yep. we're just going to go out there and look to be positive. And just to be clear, did did you approach him or he applied? Yeah, I, I I rang him and just said, do you fancy having a go at this? You know, and he was, yeah. he was, in his was that way. for the white ball or the red ball to start? No, no, no. What we did at the start, actually, we just asked people if they were interested. And then we were going, we weren't going to limit people or put people into a bracket and say, right, he's only red ball, he's only white ball. We just want to say, are you interested in either job? And then it became clear, you know, where with McCullum in particular, that it was like the red ball was the one that he was the most interested in. Um, and then when you sit and chat with him, you realise it's Jesus, he's bright bloke, this yeah. fella. You know, and yeah. what I love about people like that, as you know, Kat, is that he's so authentic to who he, he's just who he is, really. He's bright. He's not going to be putting on a voice or anything like that. He's just who he is. And he's he's got conviction in how he sees the game. Those things I was saying there about how you play, he has that. He's yeah. like, no, no. And you can almost, it's a bit like, and this is what I love, because I think when you go into interviews, you get people who try and say, they try and interview and they try and say what you what they think you want to hear. He was a bit like, no, no, this is how did I you see get, it. Do you get a bit of that? I think you get a little bit of that throughout, yeah, really. And you get, it, it's interesting that interview because you don't, where you really find out about people, I think, is when you speak to people who work with them. And so you ring up people and you say, oh, you, you've worked with so-and-so, what do you reckon? And they'll give you a good steer. That's where sometimes experience for a coach, everyone thinks, oh, you need experience. Well, let me tell you, I reckon that kills some people because when you ring up everyone who's worked with them and they go, they're all right. And they go, okay, well, what's so-and-so like? <laughs> yeah, they're all right. They're not bad. So then you know that the chances are you're going to get someone who's all right. Yeah. He's not bad. But someone with a bit less experience, they might be great. They might be good. They might be, yeah, all right. They might be terrible. Yeah. But give me that bet. Wouldn't you? I'd, I mean, I'd just much rather have someone who might be the next great coach than someone who's, all right. I saw him being <laughs> interviewed and he was saying that he obviously sees Red Bull as the pinnacle. Yeah. And he wanted the England job because he thinks he can move the dial the most. Yeah. Looking after England. Yeah. That must be quite a sort of appealing sell. Well, and the other thing as well that became apparent is that he cares that much about test cricket. He sees that England, if he can, you know, help English test cricket yeah. get to a point where more kids, everyone else, it, it's a positive, such a positive thing. He thinks it will help world test cricket. So he's, you know, most of the great people in this world don't we they, they, they have more than just wanting to win a few games want to make some money whatever it is that these great leaders have there's a cause for them and it might not matter that no one else thinks it but he's like no no this is why I want to do it yeah. because he values the game that much and then people say like well he's never coached a, but he's done a lot of coaching you know it's not easy going into those franchises you learn the art of coaching I think in that in new cultures new environments one of the problems with English coaching actually is that so few of our coaches have got that diverse mm. experience range mm. where they haven't been all over the world. You look at every single sport, football, any of it, you know, all these managers in football, they've been to other countries. They've worked in countries where they don't necessarily, they've had to speak their second language to someone else who is not their language. And so they end up with this huge range, this, this experience range that English coaches, managers don't necessarily have. And he's got that. And he also... I think he was the catalyst. He wouldn't say this, but he was a catalyst behind New Zealand and what they've done in their whole cricket. Correct. 
and the way that they've done it. And he was the one who sort of had that line in the sand and said, right, this is how we're doing it. He did it in his way, but he was the one that, you know, the man it is not really coaching. It, you're a manager of people. Yeah. You know, the, the, you have your bowling coaches, yeah. your batting coaches, your where's your top elbow going, where's your whatever. And what McCullum is, he's a manager of people and his job is to manage that environment. Yeah. So, Keezy, you talked about cultures there a little bit. What yeah. did you see that was wrong with England's culture and what do you think that Brendan will then come in and sort of give that England side? I just think he's got that sort of, that positivity, but not positivity in playing shots, but just in someone that will give them confidence and backing to go out there and make good decisions throughout, really. And that understanding, you know, you want people to, these young batsmen in particular, you want them to just just lose the shackles and go and play without any baggage because it's been bloody tough with the pitches and all that stuff. You know, India, it really spun. And yeah. They've played the best teams in the world, effectively, and we're a long way off them throughout the last year. You know, they've played India. They've played India twice, New Zealand. They've played Australia. So there's been a bit of baggage there. And they need to, you know, you need someone in to come and just take that off. Yeah. So your message, so we've had a couple of English coaches in the last few years, Chris Silwood, Peter Moores, yeah. Peter Moores twice, um, tried the best, but it's just not worked out. What is your message to England coaches out there in the county system, in the management group that you have now? You know, someone like Paul Connerman, for instance, you've gone yeah. for Matthew Mott in the one-day game. What did you see in Matthew Mott that you don't see in Paul Collingwood? You know, I look at someone like Steve Gerrard, Frank Lampard, yeah. two, you know, Recently retired footballers gone into management, done pretty well. You know what are you seeing in Matthew Mott that you've not seen in in someone like Paul? Uh, look, Collie, Collie was very close in that decision, and Collie would have been, I think, very good at that white ball side. Um, but in Matthew Mott, you've got someone who who has basically done what I've just said, where he has literally coached in so many different fields. That he has got an experience, and he has got he is so so much further along in his coaching journey than other people because of what he's had to do. Yeah, in English Creek, I remember as well. We got eighteen counties. There's a lot more opportunity in coaching, so people stay in our system for so much longer. If you're in Australia, what is there six teams, eight teams maybe with the big bash, you know? And now you've got women's cricket as well in England. So there's so many different ways. You don't have to leave, really. You can yep. stay in your system. So, so do you think wise, England coaches should be getting out there and getting uh, a bit more international experience? I mean. Yeah, but I think what we can't necessarily control that. But no. what we can do is control what we give our coaches in our own country and the opportunity yeah. that we give them in that. So when we've gone into the 100, they haven't been given the opportunity, yeah. which I think was a mistake quite frankly. so, And that was the difference, really, between Matthew Mott and Paul Collingwood. You know, Collie's been a head, head coach, I think, for a month, effectively. Matthew Mott's done it for 20 years. And the, and the real decision with the white ball side was that under Owen Morgan, you could probably, you know, it, it wouldn't be the world's toughest job in a way. You know, Owen Morgan is an outstanding... He's the leader of a generation, Owen Morgan. He's the best I've seen. Um Present company accepted. Cat. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's a natural leader. There's no question about that. But at some point, he's going to go. Yeah. And Morgs will do what's right for English cricket, I think. But I don't know when that will be. So at some point, you're going to want a coach that can maybe take more of a forward step, as it were, take more of a, a role in it than probably what you need now. So that was... Yeah. The decision-making So he's process. a bit of a caretaker at the moment, you're sort of saying. Well, no, we're not a caretaker. No, you but. just want someone who's not that environment. You see, uh, that environment or that, that team 
is bloody good and it's been good for a long time and they're doing a lot right but what you want is someone who's going to who's not going to change it which Motti I think is He's another bright bloke who's who understands. Every that, time actually. you say Motti, I think of John Motson and <laughs> that sheepskin jacket. <laughs> Come on, Motti. And, and and what he will do is he will end up, um, you know, just just influencing it along the way. And that's what he did with that Australian women's team, who were a very good side, and he's taken them to another level. Yeah. And how you do it, you've got to be bright to do that. You know, the easy thing would have been just to go, say, come on in, Morgs, off you go with it. Do we need to look, Keezy? The, the ECB has spent a lot of money on levels yeah. for coaches. Level one, two, three, four. Yeah. It's not working. It can't be working. You know, these these individuals commit to two or three years learning yeah. the level four, all the uh, different um, skills that you require. Yeah. And yet we're not promoting them. You know, just said the hundred. You know, every single hundred ball team should have been coached by an English yeah. coach, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. We missed a big opportunity. Um, is it time that we actually looked at that system? And are you going to be looking for a, in a year or two's time? You have to make a call and one of them goes. You know, is it that you look for someone that's got level four? Because you haven't done as yet. Obviously, I don't, I don't know if Baz has got level four, but he's just a, yeah, an ex-very yeah. good player who's gone into the franchise system, manages people well. Are you going to look more in the future to those kind of characters? Are you hoping that we can drive more of an opportunity for the English coaches? Look, uh, but the, you know what it's like with opportunity. You've got to be demanding that as well. And that doesn't mean you've got to be saying we've got to do that, but you've got to be giving such a good case that when the next time one of these jobs comes up, it's like, and you look in the media, which who in the media was going, there was barely any English name mentioned in this. Mm. You know, and that's, you're right, we do have to look at that. We can't sit there and go, we've got the world's greatest education, coach education system in the world and not employ any coach. So that means we probably haven't. You know? <laughs> no, it's the fact we haven't. <laughs> so, so you have to look at how you're doing everything. You know, you can't just keep, patting yourself on the back for things you've got to look at how do we make it better and if you know and the next time this comes around and that's again it's not coach education all that type of stuff is not under the md of english cricket but at some point we've got to say why aren't we why haven't we got a list of 15 names we've got more coaches probably in this country than anywhere else mm. with 18 first class yeah. counties all that stuff and yet we haven't got an obvious list of English candidates. And it's not just, there's not like in the media, people are turning around and going, right, you should have, you know, you looked at every morning I wake up, who have I spoken to? Who's in the running? It was always an overseas coach. So there's got to be something in that really. And when it has gone to an English person, it it hasn't worked particularly well. Do you think in this country, we, we, we look at overseas coaches, players, that they are better than us? No, I just think that ultimately, whatever the reason is, I don't think it's that. I just think that the obvious candidates are not English at the moment. And I don't think it's because I think, you know, I think there's some bloody bright people in English cricket. I think there's some really good coaches out there. And it might just, they might not necessarily be the ones coaching. You know, there's a lot of people that I think would make very good coaches. Um, Phil, but maybe Phil. they've got Phil. Yeah. Cat. Yeah. Second in command. (laughs) (laughs) But they might not necessarily be in coaching. That might be because it's more attractive in the media, uh, as as it probably is in some way. It might be because to get your qualification, it takes the best part of four or five years. That's a long commitment to do that because, all right, the level four is, what, two years, a year for the level three, and then it's before that. And you can't just go straight through. 
So maybe that, maybe just something we have to be, we have to look into. You're talking uh, about Matthew Mott and he'll be taking over with Owen Morgan, a captain who's been there, being very, very successful. Obviously, it's a different uh, kettle of fish for McCullum. He's got a new captain as well. How happy are you that the um, those two will complement each other? Oh, I like that. I like that combination. Well, the two mm. coaches. Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry, no, McCullum, McCullum and Stokes. I like yeah, it. I think they'll be uh, so far from what you see. They've been they've been really good. Yeah. Uh, Stokes has again just growing. I mean, growing as a captain from the start to now. Really, the way he carries himself, the way he communicates, his decision the way that he sees the game and and Baz McCullum is someone who actually is bright enough to know he's been in that position that Ben Stokes is in yeah. so what you can't have in these situations is two people going I'm doing it this way and someone else going I'm doing it that yeah. way whereas actually uh, and McCullum is he knows how to they're aligned in their philosophy they're aligned in their philosophy <laughs> they go right back that to the start but that's kind of the question isn't it because you could sort of on the one hand you want people who are sort of singing from the same hymn sheet but sometimes having a little bit of tension, a little bit of yin and yang can be a positive thing. Yeah, but I think that ultimately your views and your your philosophy, I can't say that without laughing, <laughs> has to be the same. So that doesn't yeah. mean that every decision you make, and it's not so, you're not so beholden to something that it's so rigid in the way that you do it, but you yeah. know, it, it's open to inter- interpretation. So it's not like there's only one way to go. It's, you know, so you end up challenging each other along the way, which they will do. And the, and the trick is knowing as a captain and a coach the battles to, to have and wh- when you've got to back down, when you've got to do something. And one of the decisions and one of the reasons why McCullum ended up there was because of that way of working with Ben Stokes. We felt that actually that you've not got two massive egos that are just going to think, this is my show now, right? This is it. This is how I'm, this, I'm, this is my time. I'm going to do it and I'm doing it my way and be damned everyone else. Yeah. You've got two people actually, as much as they're big characters, they don't have massive egos yeah. Yeah. and they're actually prepared to put that to one side. As you know, McCullum, yeah. that's what he's like. And Ben's the same actually. Ben's incredibly, it'd be his sort of empathy and his understanding of people. Yeah. I didn't know him that well when I got into this job I knew him a little bit but actually he's someone who cares a hell of a lot about people and everyone around him he has such an empathy which I think is a great trait to have as a leader Um, and he just wants to do what he thinks is right and he's prepared to have the debate which I think is important actually you you actually sit around and you debate right okay where where are we going with this and then you make a decision and stick with it have we got a vice captain not at the moment, no. Because uh, that's going to be quite crucial, isn't it? Because oh, it is, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, overrated. Overrated. It's, the, it's the most overrated Correct. Well, okay, but, in on, but Ben Stokes isn't going to stay fit all the time, is well, it? Well, how do you know? It, 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 well, honestly, make that decision when that, 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 that right, time okay, arrives. All right, I just, all right, <laughs> I just had a little thought. My belief is that you need ten vice-captains. There you oh, go. we're all captains out Absolutely there. Absolutely you are. Everyone should be thinking as one. Everyone should be thinking like a leader. Why should that one person just... Be the be vice vice ben Stokes goes off the field, he looks around, who's, who's, who's top of the tree at that given moment? Jimmy, you just take over half an hour. Mm. You know, Broadie, you take over. I was over just thinking from. when he got injured or something, or if he gets Well, injured. if he misses a test match, then you have to make a decision All on right. who's going to be okay. the captain, but I don't think it's a... I'm telling you, off. it winds me up vice-captaincy. It's, like, it's a nothing job. Oh, okay. One position that hasn't been uh, made <laughs> well, yet. Well, I'd agree with Vaughan, <laughs> I have to say. One position that uh, you haven't made yet is selector. Obviously, yep. the previous regime <coughs> has <coughs> got a jacket on ready. For <laughs> Someone's putting their hand up. Jacket but with the, a t-shirt. But the previous regime <laughs> uh, had the coach. selector being the coach. Um, you've obviously said that that should be separated out. Why yes. do you think that's important? And are you close to making a 
decision on that. The, right. The head, the head selector's job is arguably one of the most important ones because you can have all this vision, all this philosophy, all the coaches, all that. And if yeah. you have a selector who picks a bunch of numpties, then you've got no <laughs> chance, have you really? Um, but that's, neat, that's a tough job. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the remit for it, I think now, selection is, it's not about, so, again, that ego thing's a big thing. It's not about someone going, hey, I'm the England head selector now, I'm now going to, this is my team, and I'm going to show everyone how good I am at picking players. No, no, there's a whole scouting network, there's analysts, there's all these things, you've got to coordinate that. So you can almost present that to the coach, captain, uh, and whoever else is involved in those selection decisions. And then you've got to be able to communicate that and you've got to be able to take a few bullets probably from the media and be able to stand there and control the narrative. So, you, so you're explaining exactly where you're going. It's not an easy job to do and it's a pretty thankless job yeah. because if they do well, the coach and the captain will get all the credit. If they do poorly, you're the one who's in the gun. Yeah. You know, so it's a challenging job, but it's such an important job that I'm not in a rush to do it. The way we're working at the moment is fine up to a point. Where you know I can effectively chair that meeting, I can deliver the message to the media. You know, you basically don't want bad decisions to be made, um, but it's a full-time role, so you need to. We need to get someone yeah. in there, and that will have to be someone English, won't it? Yeah, somebody you think, knows the really, just system. someone who's across domestic yeah. cricket as much as anything else, yeah. who's across everything else, uh, and in there, and you probably at some point need to. Just uh, on a, on a couple of players of, of note. Um, yeah. Number one for me is Matt Parkinson, not yep. selected. Yep. What have they not seen in Matt Parkinson in terms of what he's delivered already in County Creek? It's been very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he offers that that difference to the attack. Yeah, clearly spin. Clearly, for England to be <laughs> a a world class Test match team, they need a world class spinner. Absolutely. And he's the one that I look at and think. I'm not saying his ceiling's huge, but I think his ceiling's a bit higher than an orthodox spinner. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have gone with him straight away? Well, I think really because Jack Leach was just ahead of him, you know, and that's that's the only reason at the moment. And what I've also said in this with uh, Brendan and uh, Ben is that we don't have to get every decision in the first week. You know, we will see. There is it's that balance, isn't it, between loyalty and bringing and making sure that everyone else arounds that team sees it, that you have a bit of faith in the people that are around. Jack Leach has bowled pretty well, got got wickets against Gloucestershire. Hasn't bowled a lot for Somerset, actually, because they're one of the teams that haven't been playing on these flat wickets that they've played on. So he's bowled less overs than a few. But there's not, it's not that we haven't seen something in Matt Parkinson. It's just that at the moment, Jack Leach is just ahead of him. Um, but like I said, you, you know, Brendan McCullum will come in, Ben Stokes as captain. You don't have to make every single decision in the first week. You know, these things will evolve. You'll start working out how your support staff looks, which which are the best bets in county cricket for you. Who are the who who are the ones that you think can deliver on the way the mentality you want the most, really? And Jack Leach at the moment is that man to do that. And the other player, and you're not going to be surprised for me to ask about this chap, and it's, it's the one player that all my kids' mates just talk about. Just yeah. seeing him completely explode the IPL. I knew you were a huge advocate of Joss Butler being in the test team. Yeah. Joss Butler and test cricket, where do we stand? Well, at the moment, Joss is obviously playing white ball. He's not in that test side, but I, I see no reason why Joss Butler needs to finish from playing, or to retire from playing test cricket. Now, unless he turns around and says, do you know what, I just want to go down that white ball path, then 
that's a different conversation. But I don't see any reason why John has he shown any, any indication that that might be. I think the he's case? been so. Yeah, he's had a pretty big IPL at the moment. I think he'll come back and then he'll start thinking about things. But even even if in a year's time, whenever it is, I don't know. I don't see why he has to retire unless he turns around and says, I have no interest in that Red Bull game whatsoever. It's not for me. I have no reason to think why Josh Butler couldn't be. I, I always thought that he could be an outstanding test match batsman, wicketkeeper, and I still think that he can. Um, and I see no reason why he still couldn't do that and why he has to make any sort of decision either way or why we have to make a decision yeah, either way. Why do you think he's not come good on his promise? So well, far? Brendan could be ideal for him. Yeah. You know, exactly, that, exactly the same role virtually, didn't he? And that's the bet, really. You, uh, the, my bet is that someone like McCullum Stokes can get the best out of all yeah. of these people, really. Whoever it is, Ben Folks, who's got an outstanding record. Whoever is Jack Leach, Matt Parkinson, whoever comes in, my yeah. bet really is that you don't need to completely change the personnel and get rid of everyone and say, you've all been rubbish. I think they've picked some bloody good players over the years. Yeah. We've just got to get the best out of them. Throughout this podcast, we're going to ask um, the game for, for you know their stories. So anything yeah. that happens in the, the grassroots game, we want to hear about it. Any debates, any opinion. Yep. Any arguments, we want to hear about it. But we're also going to follow a young eight-year-old girl called Megan right. who just started playing the game. She plays the All-Stars oh, program yeah, with ECB. She's a, she's quite um, a confident young young girl, and, and she's got a question for you. Is this like Minnie Ant and Deck or something? <laughs> she, she's got a question for you, Rob. Listen to the question. Oi, oi, Rob, Rob with the big job. Is Megan here. Right, me and my friends love the 100. The names, the music, all of that. So what's the other stuff about? Kent and Essex and all the others. How many are there? Who watches that stuff anyway? Boring. <laughs> Who is that? Rob, that's what? Megan. She's eight. She, she's just she's like, not, the that's, game. Yeah, that's like, you, that's, there's no way that that person's eight. It's NASA. It's like you've just had, so you, you've almost sped up. Like Are you accusing us of fake media? Oh, yeah, it's like, you've, like how they did with the chipmunks. It's it? NASA. It's NASA having some sort of a helium balloon. Uh, what's your answer? What was the question? Yeah. Well, she's, she's basically saying she prefers the 100. Yeah. Yeah. And she thinks there's too many things happening in cricket. There's too many other teams. And she obviously she mentioned Kent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she says, boring. Um, what do you say to those young people that actually probably are aligning themselves more with the 100 ball teams? I, I, I think that's exactly the point, really. You have the 100, you have the blast. If you live more locally, my kids like the blast because they can go there and get the cups and give them back and get a pound every time, whatever it is. You yeah. know, that, there's, there's something for everyone. That's my point right at the start of this interview is that actually for one to succeed the other one doesn't have to fail and you can have a little bit of everything there can be something for everyone and you know what megan who finds it boring at the moment (laughs) might actually you know go to the hundred think this is good and then in a few years time she might actually love cricket love playing it and go, do you know what, I, might, I fancy a bit of this four-day stuff. Yeah. She might not. And the whole point of what they, why that was started, and before I was doing this job and when I was working for Sky, you know, who I know are behind the hundred, so everyone, all the hundred haters will think, <laughs> oh, Keezy, you're just digging it, you know, you're supporting it because you have to. I said, no, no, no. I have never once sat in a meeting 
before or since doing this job and heard anyone at the ECB say, do you know what, we're doing this for ourselves. The whole point of the 100 is for people like Megan to actually go out there and find a love for the game like we did because my kids, they're not like what we were. You know, it's not the same world that we live in. You have to give them other ways. There's so much competition there. And I think that... Cricket seems to be a sport, Keezy, doesn't it? That, you know, over the last few years, everyone seems to be falling out. Yeah. Let's just get back to Correct. what it is. It's a game How of cricket. It's a game day, of cricket. Boy. Do you know what, Phil? If you yes. like four-day cricket, go and watch four-day cricket go. and enjoy it. If you like 100-ball cricket, go and watch 100-ball cricket. And, and enjoy it. It. If you like T20 cricket, 50-over cricket, two-day cricket, three-day cricket, five, whatever it is that you enjoy, yeah. just go and enjoy it. That's right. And have, have some fun dull. with it. You don't yeah. have to say, oh, but that's rubbish and that's rubbish. No, it's a game of cricket. Yeah. Bat against ball. Men and women are playing it. The growth in the women's game has been monstrous. Yeah. And last year, the big success of the 100, it, it was the women's game. Yeah, it was. It got a great platform, huge crowds, great exposure. Can we start talking positively yeah. about the game that, of cricket? Yeah, you know, yeah. They're all that, great formats and you can choose. That, that's exactly Baz, the point. Baz said to me, he said, get everyone sitting on the bus facing the right way. How about that? <laughs> he loves the bus. Yes, he, he loves, loves the, the bus. He loves yeah. the bus analogy. <laughs> did he use that this morning? Did he, no, use, the he, bus? Didn't he use the bus? <laughs> did he? But, you're, but don't you think that's the way the, 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 the whole country is at the moment? Mm. You know, like, oh, hello, yes. No, but you are. You people are defining each other by politics, stuff like that. I couldn't care what you think as mm. long as actually yeah. you're a decent person and you're trying to live the best life you can that'll do Boom. you've got a lot on your plate um, with at the top <laughs> house of the game. I mean, how, how much are you uh, going to get involved in the grassroots what would you you've been sort of vocal about how expensive it is for kids for example uh, to take up the game yeah no that, that's definitely that, that's what what it wasn't about just the England team this why I wanted to yeah. get involved with and do this job it was about things like that I've been to, you know I sort of feel I've had a leg in every camp of English cricket for for the last however long, even with its women's cricket, commentating on it and seeing that grow. Um, and that is something we have to do. You can't talk about a game for everyone and price 80% of the people out of the market. It's yeah. just ridiculous. I mean, even now, you know, and at the ECB, they are trying like hell to make it more affordable for everyone. And the counties have to buy what, into what that as well. Do, what are they doing, Keezy? Well, you know, you put me on the spot. They're throw, they're putting more money into it, basically, trying to make sure that it is more affordable. They already put a hell is that of a, the kit, or you know, some of the hundred could go towards it. It's that, such an expensive <laughs> game. You you go and buy a, a kit set for for your youngster these days. Well, it's two or three hundred pound before you before you know, and then you've got the petrol to travel. How, how much time. is a bat nowadays? Well, man. a real quality bat. I dread to think, but even you know, a junior <laughs> kit <laughs> set, they, they are four hundred quid. You know, it's, it's expensive. You know, so yeah. you know, we're asking. You know, you know, the hundred to try and drive a new audience, but that new audience may watch and go, oh, I'll play, but oh, I, don't, I can't afford it. Yeah. So we have to do something in the game to try and make sure that that person that watches the TV for the first time and sees the game and goes, I want to play cricket and I should be able to afford it or there should be a, a platform in place for every single family in the country to be able to afford kit or get given kit to make sure that every kid can play the game. Yep. Well, And with that, that's something that everyone has to try and make sure they're doing. Yeah, it can't just be the ECB that are just having to put money into things and come up with all these plans. The counties have to buy into it as mm. well. The counties have to sit around and think, what's my long-term investment in terms of pathway, in terms of youth, county age group cricket, all that stuff, and the short term of going, give me a bowler who might win me a couple of games. And all those debates, those decisions from the top, from the ECB, all the way down through have to happen. Um, Phil's got, yep. the, the, again, this is probably before you go back to the Nets <laughs> and help the, the England side prepare. Uh, Phil's got his either or. 
So there's five questions here, Rob, and it's either or. <laughs> right. Go on, go on the cat. Here we go. Either or. Stokes or Flintoff? Got to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Flynn Stokes. Okay. Golf or cricket? Golf. Okay. Broad or Anderson? Oh, that is an interesting one. Uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Uh, Vitality Blast or 100? I prefer the 100, I think. Oh, go on. And uh, the major one, dog or cat? Oh, dogs. I'm not a cat person. We've got one at home. It drives me mad. I think if it was big enough, it'd eat you. (laughs) Keezy, thank you. Thank you, Robert. Enjoy the Nets. Will do. Send my love to Baz. What do you think of that? Wow. I I thought that was fantastic. Mm. What a straightforward kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, I've known him beforehand in the, you know, in the punditry area and everything and always respected his opinion, but uh, top draw for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think think the line is safe hands. I think England have got a a safe pair of hands. Not not just in terms of, you know, a bland sort of way. I I think he's going to do it his way. I don't think he is going to be one of these with the computers and looking at too much data. I I love the fact that he keeps talking about it's about managing people. And that's all teams are about. How you manage the people that are in your team will kind of decide upon whether you're successful or not. Yeah, and also no ego. Let's just try and get this England team moving forward. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, obviously you guys... No, it's the first time I've met him, but yeah. it sort of exudes common sense and plain speaking. Absolutely. Which is pretty much all it takes, yeah. you know, common yeah. sense. And, and the, the hardest That's quite part, rare, I mean, Mike. That's quite yeah, rare. But the yeah. hardest part, I mean, if, it's if, not so if, common. If, if we're honest, the, the easiest part of the job is now appointing yeah. people. They haven't played yet. They haven't had that week where it's all gone wrong. Yeah. They haven't made any selectorial mistakes as yet because nothing's happened. Um, so that's all further down the line. And I guess how he manages downtime, you know, the, the, the times where things aren't going yeah. quite so well and he has to manoeuvre a player or two or a captain or yeah. a coach. Um, but what he says about the game in, in general, not just about the highest level yeah. of, of the England team, everything across the board, I think English cricket have got exactly the right kind of person. Yeah, yeah. good work. Yeah, and if he's picking people in his own image below him then that common sense will trickle down yeah I, I, I just think he will and I think he'll take his time um, to pick the selector yeah. yeah I think that might take a little bit more time sounds because, like it's quite a key role yeah I think it is uh, and it's finding that right person who clearly can work with all the team the scouting team but also have a real eye of not just the player but the character Yeah. at the highest level it, it is about character it's about having that right mentality to perform and play and cope with the pressure uh, so it's not all about the numbers that yeah. you see in county cricket it's about okay yeah that player can play a bit he's got good numbers but has he got the right kind of strength inside yeah. and that's what that individual will have, will have to be very and, good and at and then backing them because I think the, what they've done with Ollie Pope's quite interesting promoted him to number three and said you're our man and they've got his back yeah and, and the one thing I'll say about uh, Ollie Pope going to number three I'm amazed he's not tried it before yeah. I'm amazed he hasn't batted for why, Surrey why I'm have, amazed why Harry... have in England are Surrey to put him there well, I, I, I go from, as a player point of view, why yeah. isn't he demanded? Yeah. You know, if you look yeah. at the England Test Match team, Joe Root was always going to go back to four. He loves yeah. it at four. Johnny Bairstow played well in the winter. He's going to bat five. Ben Stokes, as soon as he got the caps, I'm batting six. Yeah. So the engine room of four, five, six is locked in. Yeah. You would think for the summer. So there's one position available, number three. So if I'm a young batter, Harry Brooks, Ollie yeah. Pope, I'd have been knocking on the coach's door at McCann going, I'm batting three. So Harry Book batting at five for York should be incredible, average 140. Real talent. We saw him in the Roses clash in the Vitality Blast on Friday. Uh, play beautifully. But why didn't he just knock the door down at number three? If he'd have done what he'd done at five at three, I reckon Harry Brook would have been given that nod 
yeah. in the test match on Thursday. I've never really understood that in lineups, Mike. No? No. I was always 11. Yeah. Because I didn't like walking off on my own. <laughs> 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 no, but no, that's interesting, though. But why does, why does Joe Root love it at four? You know, why does Johnny Bairstow have to be five? You know what I mean? What, what, what are the differences? Well, I think Joe Root is, I, I mean, he played nicely in the Caribbean at number three. Yeah. Um, but he's had so much success. You're a good player, surely. You could play wherever you like. No, you can. No, I think he could play at number three and be very successful. Um, but when you've got 10,000 test match runs yeah. and you like batting at number four, yeah. you've earned the right to bat at number four. Is it a little bit in the old brain? Yeah, maybe, and also, you know, it's you know, if you're going at number three, you, you can be out there first ball. Yeah, it's the brand new, yeah. um, fresh, fresh is, Duke right? ball in English conditions. So, in in a funny kind of way, um, if, if I was a young player, I'd be knocking down the door to bat at three. I, I don't see many players who have batted uh, number five and six in county cricket that have had it outstanding Test match careers. I, I believe that if you yeah. want to be an outstanding Test match player, you, you've got to be somewhere in the top three in county cricket. Yeah. You know, if you can't face the moving ball, how are you going to cope with the pressure and the moving ball in international cricket? So that's something that I'd like to see from younger players. Maybe the pitch is improving, the ball not doing quite as much. The coaches' doors around the county game will be getting a, a few more knocks. Yeah. To say I'm quite happy to bat in the top three yeah. now. The ball's not doing quite as much, but um, it's an interesting week yes. for Test match cricket in England because everything's been positive in the last few weeks. Yeah. Everything's great. Ben's going to be yeah, great. Yeah. Bazzy's going to be great. Broaden Anderson's 40, back. Forty for four comes around again. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and it, 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 it could quite easily be oh, all the changes, all the noise. Same old England, 30 for three. Yeah, but we've got to yeah. give him a bit of time. And one thing I couldn't believe about Keezy, though, was he's got a cat and he went dog. Yeah. I'm yeah. Saying, what the, what's he going to be feeling like when the cat is his got, podcast? I know, exactly. He's going to. And, and the cat will listen. <laughs> okay, superb. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. A big thanks to Michael and Phil, and a massive thanks to Rob Key for taking time out to speak with us today. And finally, a big thanks to you for downloading our first episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We'll be coming out every single Wednesday. If you have friends or family who are cricket mad, please be sure to spread the word. You can get in touch with us at cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk and also find all three of us on Twitter. We'll be answering your questions every single week, so please do get in touch. Tuffers is contractually obliged to read every single email we get. Until next week, goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.